0: welcome back to the swamp 24 7 podcast i'm thomas Goldcamp, joined today by blake alderman we have plenty to touch on florida is well into fall camp we will get to that later in the show but first blake I wanted to recap a little bit of Friday Night Lights. Obviously, every year this is Florida's elite recruiting event. I guess first off, what were your initial impressions of how the event went for Florida?
1: You know, I think overall it went good. You know, you get two commitments for the 2021 class that are four-star players, Um, some guys that obviously everyone needs a quarterback every year and DBs don't hurt either, so that's a a good mix of them landing four-star quarterback Carlos Del Del Rio out of McEachern High School up in Georgia and also getting a recommitment of a former 2021 commit in uh, Stevenson, Georgia, uh, four-star quarterback Kamar Wilcoxon. So, um, you know, it's always good whenever you have an event like that to get some commitments. I think the thing now overall is whenever you have something like this that, it falls on the same day of practice and the same day of, of Friday Night Lights when they opening fall camp the same day. I, I think the thing that I was most interested in is, you know, how is this going to work? You know, obviously they had the yeah. practice in the morning. And then you, it's just a long day whenever you have practice that morning and then recruits coming in that night. So, you know, I think it went pretty well. But the one thing that I have kind of thought about here is Miami also has their uh, paradise camp. It's usually the same type of time frame into July, but with dead periods and everyone kind of having something that weekend, obviously it's the first weekend back from the dead period. You know, you have guys at cookouts and and pool parties and all sorts of, you know, right. different things. I thought it was interesting that Miami actually moved their paradise camp to the end of June and I thought that that was something that maybe Florida could look into that year too or maybe even down the road or something just whenever you don't have to necessarily fight for all these schools having something going on and I think that yeah it's just tough you know it's it's everyone wants to get somewhere else you know a lot of these guys that do show up at Florida have been there many of times so you know it's kind of hard whenever you have something going on elsewhere but you know overall I thought that they had a lot of targets there um, A lot of guys that they really have higher on their board, obviously, landing some commitments and getting some new guys and offers out. And, you know, overall, it was good. But I thought that was something um, to kind of keep in the back pocket, maybe look for down the road is maybe, you know, is it a yeah. you know, to move it to June?
0: Yeah, well, that's definitely interesting because Luke and I had talked about that on the previous episode, how, um, you know, when Florida first started this event, really, Florida commanded that Friday night time slot. I mean, it was such a unique, innovative idea. Uh, that Florida didn't have a whole lot of competition. And so you were able to get guys like Ronald Powell from across the country coming into this event. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, that is something that maybe Florida could consider. I, I do think, you know, kind of what we, we touched on was it, it was almost more 2021 focused, I thought. Now, obviously, you had some big offensive linemen on campus, and I'm sure you'll talk about them in a minute. Um, but, but for the 2021 guys, I thought Florida really started to kind of lay that foundation, and especially when you talk about landing a quarterback, like, what's your take on on Carlos Del Rio and how he fits in, and and maybe what he'll kind of bring in terms of solidifying, your, you know, your base for that class early on?
1: You know, I think it just shows that whenever you look at his game, he's a he's a true dual threat guy. You know, he's an able thrower. He's a little bit more electric with his legs right now. I think there's obviously still some development needed for his arm, but you know that that's about every high school kid. There's always mm-hmm, development sure. needed, but I think that. He's a guy that really kind of fits that uh, Mullen build where you have a guy who's a pretty electric athlete, maybe a little raw as a passer, but this is a guy who obviously camped. He threw in front of Coach jo- uh, Brian Johnson, Florida's quarterback's coach, and obviously Mullen. Those guys are really you know, kind of the go-tos as far as quarterbacks there. So there was a lot that they liked from him. You know, he was – I don't want to say he was up and down, but, you know, obviously every throw didn't come out perfect. But I think overall I think he showed that, you know, He's a guy that fits into well. There's a lot of things good to work with, maybe for his, his floor. And I, I think he has a very high ceiling coming mm-hmm. out of a high classification in Georgia. You know, he's playing big time guys. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to, to like about him. And I think that this year, obviously, your junior year is whenever you really kind of what do you put on tape? I think that junior year film is really what a lot of coaches look at. So I'm interested to see how he kind of develops this year because this is a guy who has done a lot of camps. He does a lot of these QB retreats and whatnot. He's camped with Florida a couple times. So he's had a lot of things that he's worked on this summer. So I'm really interested to see how he kind of puts things together into his junior year. And, And, again, I think that's where I always really base a lot of my, you know, okay, what do we have here?
0: Right. Well, One of the things that was interesting to me is, you know, talking to you and Luke leading up to the event, Um, It kind of sounded like we weren't, you know, we knew that he was a guy that was potentially on Commitment Watch, you know, that he's a guy that uh, has obviously had Florida on his radar for a long time. And we weren't quite sure if Florida would be ready to take him. I thought the thing that was impressive to me uh, was listening to his interview after the event. Uh, He basically told reporters, he said, hey, look, I I wanted to come and show Florida that I was the guy for them in this class. And I think when you when you've listened to Dan Mullen over the last year and a half, Uh, since he's been at Florida, that's been kind of a quality he's looked for. He's wanted guys that are ready to take over and say, hey, I'm the guy for Florida. Um, I know that was a big thing in Emory Jones's recruitment, that he said, hey, I'm the guy that's going to come to Florida and win championships. And I thought Del Rio, at at least from the verbal part of what we picked up on him at Friday Night Lights, he had that same approach. So I think that was probably a big part of why Florida, after seeing him work out, was ready to take him.
1: Yeah, um, you know, with, I think it's always something, too, with with a lot of these college coaches, especially mm-hmm. with a quarterback, you have to be picky. You know, you have to right. make sure, watch him camp over and over and over and over again. And I think uh, the one thing that we did talk about was uh, it seemed like it was going to happen leading up to it. But it was more, what does he do in the camp? And obviously he did enough to show those guys that, you know, he, he could be their quarterback for that class.
0: Speaking of being picky, Blake, that that was another area, I think, from Friday Night Lights that stood out. Um, We talked about the offensive linemen that Florida had on campus, and and I'm sure you can name them and give a little more detail on them. Um, But Florida Florida's pitch to the two elite guys they had on campus was essentially, hey, we're only going to take two tackles. How do you think that pitch played out? How do you think the visit went for those two guys? And maybe if you could go a little bit more in depth on who each of those prospects are uh, for people that may not know, that would be awesome.
1: Sure. Yeah, Florida had two of the, the top two offensive tackles on their board right now. They really are being picky, like you said, at the offensive line. And really right now, it's tackle or bust. You know, I don't think they're looking at any kind of guards or, or interior guys. They're, they're pretty much done there. They did a really good job early on this signing class. And obviously last signing class, have kind of taken care of the interior part of the line. But yeah, they had a guy in four-star offensive tackle, Isaiah Walker Jr. out of Miami, New Orleans High School. They actually got him on campus twice. They got him on campus Friday morning. He, uh, on his way up from Miami he stopped by Gainesville on the way um, that morning caught practice hung out with the coaches and, and talked to him for about an hour and a half after practice up in the coach's office um, made his way up to uh, Florida State that after that trip and hung, hung out till Saturday for their Saturday Night Live event and hit Florida on his way back on Sunday so he is a former South Carolina commit uh, early on he backed off that commitment earlier in, in July at the Nike opening um, and, and I, I think that Florida is definitely in the driver's seat here kind of battling Miami but this is a guy that every visit he takes it kind of seems that the tides kind of turn here so I think Florida's in a great spot maybe more so because they've been in this recruitment a little bit longer than Florida State and Miami it seems like it's a real big three battle I think if I had to pick a team that Florida's really battling against I think it is Miami because they obviously it's not hard for him to get on campus and they have a big needed offensive line and really kind of the same deal with a lot of these in-state schools You know, they need offensive linemen and he's giving all three of those schools a look but Florida has been a big factor in here I, I actually think he would have probably have been committed to Florida had not a big coaching change happened with Jim McElwain Um, when that kind of happened and things started to go south he did commit to South Carolina but was really high on Florida and they might have been the early leader there but obviously that opened the door for South Carolina and and since he's kind of blown up and turned to elite recruit and he has big time schools chasing after him but I really do like where Florida stands there I don't think he's going to be in a rush to make another decision. I think he's going to take some visits into the fall. He's mentioned to me um, in a story that I wrote on Swamp 24-7 this morning that he's going to keep an eye on these big three schools into the Mm -hmm. season. He actually mentioned um, wanting to go to the Florida-Miami game, but it doesn't look like they're going to have recruits for that game. But he also admitted that you know he was interested enough to go to that game to where he would buy a ticket and try to go sure. see it there. So I think That's that big. really shows that he is interested in both of those schools because, I mean, you, you just don't pay money to go watch those teams right. if you're not interested. But, uh, again, I think this one's going to be a little bit of a wild ride just because he's impressionable. Every visit he takes, things seem to kind of change, and, and it's – Really kind of like the seasons with him, Um, but I I do think it's going to go maybe towards the end of his high school season, closer to the early signing period, but Florida is absolutely uh, really thick in the mix there. The other guy that Florida had on campus, they had him there actually the entire weekend and Mm four-star offensive tackle, Marcus Dumerville. He's out of Fort Lauderdale, St. Thomas Aquinas, which is one of the premier high schools in the state of Florida, and this is a guy who's coming off of an MVP performance at the opening camp, um, which is full of a lot of top talent. and. He's been a guy that Florida has been trying to get on campus since the arrival of Dan Mullen. This was actually kind of weird to say, but an in state guy. This was his first recruiting visit to the University of Florida, and he got to spend the entire weekend there with his dad. And I think Florida really pulled up a seat to the table here. You know, I don't know if I would say that Florida's the team to beat here, but I feel that they are very much in it. But this is a guy who is not in any rush whatsoever. He seems very open if you listen to his words and, and the schools he's looking at. He has used an official visit to LSU and he used to to Oklahoma. Those were in the spring and summer months. I think if I had to throw my hat into the ring now and say, kind of, what are we looking at right now? I would say an LSU Florida battle. But again, This one doesn't seem like it's on fire to have a decision soon. He's going to take multiple visits. Um, He's really unsure of the remaining official visits, but did mention that Florida was one uh, that he was looking at possibly. But I think there's kind of a wait-and-see approach there to kind of see how things go with it being the first visit. Is it a visit high? You know, Let's see what happens maybe a little bit after he comes home and kind of acclimates things. And and getting him back on campus I think is huge for Florida to continue to stay where they're at, and that's thick in the mix.
0: Well, and I think that's the key right there is these are these are battles that are going to be ongoing and that Florida really needs to kind of uh, you know maintain the pace that they've set. I think, like you said, they're in good shape. Now it's about coming through and finishing. Blake, another guy that was on campus, not a high school guy this weekend, uh, LSU transfer Kelvin Joseph, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you were able to find out about his official visit?
1: Yeah, he's he's a transfer. A- Correct. He's an LSU signee from the 2018 class. He's a former top 100 recruit out of Baton Rouge. Um, Committed and signed to LSU out of high school. Uh, Played his first year. I want to say he had like 12 total tackles. Not a lot of playing time, but he was playing in games. Mm And, obviously, he's put his name into the transfer portal. He's kind of been one foot in, one foot out for several months now, and he finally put his name in there. He's, he's going to transfer from LSU, um, showed up in Gainesville um, late Friday night for his official visit, and he left Sunday afternoon. And, you know, the he actually declined interviews, but kind of checking around with some sources and talking to some people that really kind of have a, a, a better feel for how the visit went. It went really well, and Florida having a need. Um, In their secondary, especially at the safety position, star position, I think that's where he's going to kind of get that look at for Florida. Um, he can play corner, but I think safety is probably more of the likely decision or, excuse me, destination for him if he does pick Florida. Um, coming out of the visit, it, it seems like a decision will come soon. I don't know how soon that means, but I do see it kind of being a little bit faster of a process with him wanting to kind of get that next home and, and have an idea of where he's going. As far as early playing time and, and whatnot, I think he's going to be a guy that's not going to get that waiver to play immediately. I, I see him being a guy who's going to sit out and likely be there for the 2020 2021 season, which is great for Florida because they're going to. To have some holes there in the safety position and i think that's going to be a chance to get a really elite you know top former top 50 guy to go in there and get some playing time and get some you know it's a big competition and, and make an impact yeah. which i think would be really great for florida to do um visits going down the road are really kind of murky right now it doesn't sound like anything set up some that have been mentioned as possibilities are miami texas i don't think that any of those are really set up but whenever you have a guy who's coming off a visit I think Florida's probably in the driver's seat there, but it kind of depends on how long he's willing to take things out. If it's sooner than later, I could see him absolutely ending up at Florida.
0: Well, there you have it, Blake. I uh, appreciate the recap from Friday Night Lights. Uh, We'll get into fall camp in a second, guys. Uh, Right on the other side of this commercial break. Stay tuned.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
1: Welcome back to the Swamp 24 uh, 7 Sports Podcast. I'm Blake Alderman, joined here by T- uh, Thomas Goldcamp from 24 7 Sports. Thomas, it was a big Friday. Florida started their fall camp. Florida had Friday Night Lights this past Friday. It's year two under Dan Mullen, and it seems like things are kind of running a little smoother. You've obviously been at every practice. What have you thought about how things have started with that big Miami game upcoming?
0: Well, first off, uh, long day Friday. You know, we actually got started a little bit before you guys did at Friday Night Lights. My uh, supply of Red Bull can certainly attest to that. Uh, it was a very long day. Uh, but, no, it was cool. It was great getting back out there. Um, you know, obviously, with Florida having Miami this year, I think fall camp's going to be a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. Uh, last year, Florida was very open about uh, practice, especially in the spring. But even in the fall, I think we had an open scrimmage last fall. But again, Florida opened with Charleston Southern last year, and I think it's pretty clear so far that we're going to get a lot less viewing time uh, this, this fall camp, and, and you would expect that. Florida doesn't really want to tip its hand on anything. Um, so we're not going to get a whole lot of glimpses into fall camp. We're going to have to rely a lot on sources this fall. But being out there Friday and Saturday, I thought you could tell pretty quickly that I think the Gators are going to be able to ramp up things a little bit quicker this year, Blake.
1: Yeah, it seems like obviously when you have more familiarity with the offense and things obviously are going to run smoother in year two, it it seems like Florida – is in a little bit better of a position obviously coming into a big game like Miami where you have Miami who's in their first year kind of figuring a lot of things out. I know there are some familiarities with obviously Manny Diaz being on the staff, but it does seem that Florida's kind of got the advantage somewhat there with just really just being very comfortable with what they're doing. And it it kind of does seem Mm -hmm. like that, at least from the couple practices, that's what it seems like you've mentioned that things seem to be kind of running a little smoother.
0: Yeah. Well, and then the other thing I think that plays into that is Florida is a pretty veteran team. I mean, you look across the board, you've got a veteran quarterback coming back. You've got a senior running back. You've got four seniors at receiver that have all played extensively and some other guys in the junior class that have played a bunch. Um, really, other than the offensive line, almost everybody has starting experience. Um, so you've got a very veteran team. And I think now that they've had a year in the system, uh, they're much more comfortable. And and speaking of some players, uh, I think that's kind of the vibe we got I'll, I had a chance to speak with running back Damian Pierce, who's actually only a sophomore, um, but he's one of those guys that when you talk to him, he stands out as a veteran. Here's kind of what he had to say about whether or not, you know, this camp has been different, even in the, the limited days that they've had so far.
3: Uh, I feel like everybody's more comfortable in the game, man. You know, the less you think, the better you're going to perform. Coach Mullins, that he wants to go out there, he doesn't want to be thinking, like, if we see too hot, okay, we got this. One high, okay, we got this. He don't want it to be a long process but that's going to slow down our tempo he wants to be an up-tempo team and if you think you're not gonna have a fast tempo
0: i know you guys are only two days into fall camp but have you noticed the difference just in terms of how quickly you guys are ramping up compared to last year now that you have all that knowledge yeah it's a big difference because i feel like everybody's more comfortable and um we're ready to get to work man. and so uh, when you hear that i think what you know i think the big key for florida is you should feel pretty comfortable at this point the question is what what kind of things can they do to add in different wrinkles? Um, that's kind of a topic I'd like to explore in the next couple of days as we continue to interview players. Uh, like I said, you know, Florida doesn't want to reveal too much ahead of the Miami game. So we're not going to get a whole lot of X's and O's. Oh, you know, this year we're running a lot of two back stuff. You're not going to get that. But I think that you're definitely getting the vibe from Florida early in fall camp that they're going to be able to step up, um, the amount of things that they do early in the year. And I think that's going to give them a big leg up over Miami where you have a new coach taking over and everything you're doing on offense is going to be a little bit new for the first time. Um, One of the things that's really stood out to me in terms of the veterans versus the younger guys in practice, you can tell um, the veterans versus the newcomers. I mean, it is, it is abundantly clear. I was watching the receiver drills the other day and it was really, really fascinating because you'd see the veterans run through the first four or five guys, you know, Tyree Cleveland, Josh Hammond, Freddie Swain, Van Jefferson, Trey Grimes, and it's all boom, 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 and Billy Gonzalez, oh, perfect, 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 and then you see guys that haven't been around as long, you know, the Jacob Copelands, Deontay Marks, Jamarcus Weston, Trent Whittemore, and literally the coaches are going through, and they're not even going full speed as they go through these, you know, cutting drills or whatever it is. They're walking them to each cone and saying, hey, Here's why we're going to do this. Here's why you're going to scoop your hand down towards the turf and open your hips. This is why it allows you to kick out quicker than you're maybe used to in high school. And what that does is all all that fundamental technique work, um, it ends up allowing you to play much quicker. But what struck me was just how old hat it is to the veterans and how much quicker you see them. And then you see the younger guys and you're like, oh, wow, they actually had to learn that. And this time last year, even some of the veterans were still learning that. So to me, that's what's been pretty interesting um, so far.
1: One guy that Florida, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, the development of Felipe Franks, whether it's on the field, off the field, just showing more maturity, um, mm-hmm. he seems like a completely different guy from when we started covering him at Florida, and I guess how much importance and how much can you see his his development in practice from what you guys have seen? Well, I
0: think a ton, and that that's part of the, the thing that's interesting to me about the pacing and how quickly Florida can get up to speed. Uh, I actually asked Dan Mullen about that this morning, and I thought his answer was pretty telling. Um because Mullen admitted that, yes, they're going quicker than they were last year, and they're going under a pretty good pace. Um, but he also said that you got to be careful because you, you want to time it. And I thought the way he explained how they time, how they ratchet things up, was really interesting. And so I'll let our listeners actually hear Mullen's answer right here. No, we do. I, you try to, like, install at the pace of where you think everybody's ready, especially the quarterback. You know, I try to install pace of the quarterback a lot. Uh you know, and then everybody's got to catch up to that. But, you know, and especially you got the quarterback's receivers. So you can uh, – I mean, we're going at a pretty good pretty good clip. Um, I could go even faster. But, you know, then it would start to get to, you know, going beyond other guys. And, you know, you're just – I mean, there's only so many reps in a, in a day that you can get. So you're to look and hey, this is what we want to put in. But, but as far as the advanced part of, of being able to check and do other things, you can do that a lot faster when you have a veteran group. And so basically what he's saying is, um, whatever Felipe Franks is picking up, that's how fast they're going to run the offense. Um, That's how fast they're going to move to the next installation, the next thing. And last year, I can tell you for a fact, it was not as quick as Dan Mullen would have liked. I mean, they really spent a lot of time uh, going through each individual thing and making sure that he was fully comfortable before they moved on. And you saw that early in the season, how much they tried to safeguard Felipe Franks. You know, They didn't take a whole lot of risky throws. And then you look at the last four games of the season, really even I would say the last three, because I don't think they fully felt confident in Franks until after that South Carolina game. But it was very different. It was much more open. He was throwing over the middle of the field. Um, You had tunnel screens to running backs that he set up with his eyes, that kind of thing. Um, I I think that all speaks to the confidence of Felipe Franks. Um, But more than anything, I thought Trayvon Grimes had a really good point when we were interviewing him. Um, I asked him a little bit about, you know, just some of the differences between Franks, and he kind of took it to a leadership level without me even really necessarily going there. Uh, Here's what Trayvon Grimes had to say about the difference in Felipe from last fall to now.
3: Uh, He's very different. He's more mature um, in every aspect of his life. Uh, He comes out here every day, He works hard, um, He tells us what we need to do even if we don't want to hear it, and um, he's just more of a mentor. can't wait for him to show what he has to do. August twenty-fourth.
0: Do you think? Do you think? Sorry. Do you think guys are maybe more receptive to hearing that now that they've seen, especially those last four games, what he did on the field? Most
3: definitely. Um, he's, he, everybody. Nobody talks about him. Everybody listens to what he has to say. If it's right, wrong. Um, he's our leader, and, and we listen to him. So if he has something to say, we listen. to Open ears, and, and we're uh, open ears for him. Yeah, I was kind of just kind of built off that. Like, what does it take to get a guy to that point where you're not just, like, scoffing and rolling your yeah. eyes at him? Uh, I'm really not sure. I feel His uh, his play is backed it up. He knows what he's doing. He, he's more comfortable with his reads and everything. So I feel like when he comes out to practice, he has great practices back to back to back. Everyone just buys into what he's saying and, and listens to him because he knows what he's talking about. So at the end of the day, um, when a guy's speaking and knows what he's talking about, it's not that hard to believe in him.
0: So to me, the, the, the interesting part there is um, that Felipe Franks, he's their guy. And, you know, the follow-up question there was obviously, how, you know, how did, how did you keep guys from scoffing at him or whatever last year? What, what ends up turning the corner? And I think it's just what we talked about, you know, those games where he really showed out and produced, I thought to me made Felipe Franks a different person. And, Blake, I mean, from looking afar, do you see a difference in his demeanor even?
1: Absolutely. I think you can see from when he started at Florida, he was always kind of on, you know, these Facebook lives, Instagram lives, whatnots, you know, dancing, kind of acting a fool. I, I think part of that now is whereas you'd still see parts of that. I think it's a little bit more less frequent. I, I think he's a little bit more treats things like a business decision. I, I think it's now not necessarily being the leader, but it's also leading by example. And I think that's something he's done a good job of. Um, I've always kind of got the feeling from whenever Felipe enrolled at Florida and was really thick into this quarterback battle that. He was always really well-liked by the receivers. You know, If you talk to these guys, he was always really well-received by the team. And now I think it's kind of gotten to the point where not only is he liked, but he's also respected now. And I think that that's been one of the biggest jumps that I've seen from him from the start to the finish.
0: Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I will tell you that uh, from speaking to people behind the scenes, there was there was frustration with Franks at, at sure. points from his receivers. Um, I recall in particular, I believe, Van Jefferson at one point was mm-hmm. – maybe a little bit upset behind the scenes with some of the deep balls and and lack of connection there. But I think that goes back to once your quarterback is actually um, starting to complete some of those passes and really showing it on the field, that's when you start to see those guys really start to fully buy in. Um, So I I think he's at a different level. I think Florida's at a different level. Uh, What will be interesting to me is just how far Mullen pushes the envelope in terms of what kind of wrinkles they add in. Um, I think Mullen's a smart guy. He's not going to overdo it. He's going to want to make sure that they, they progress in such a way that they're not, um, you know, leaving players that they may need for next year in the lurch. You know, they're not going to pass up on opportunities to v- develop the Jacob Copelands, um, you know, that they need for the future uh, just, at the expen- uh, just for the sake of advancing quickly. Um, Blake, I wanted to get to some of my kind of individual observations. Some of these have been in our VIP practice notes. And I obviously encourage everybody that's listening to the podcast who may or may not be a subscriber of Swamp 24-7, uh, be sure to ch- sign up. You know, we, like I said, we're going to have fewer opportunities to get these windows into practice where we're actually seeing these guys with our own eyes. But I think we do a pretty good job of providing you some unique insights. Blake, the first thing that stood out to me was Damian Pierce uh, looks completely different physically.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that he's really put himself together. and he, he uh, You get to the point when you start mixing him up with other players and it's a running back and he's out there looking you know, kind of yeah. like a little bowling ball. <laughs> I think that's yeah. definitely something you want from that offense where Mullen's really going to kind of hit that ground and pound and, and use the running game to set things up.
0: Yeah, and what, what Blake's talking about is I actually sent out a tweet um, Friday during the first practice uh, where I confused Damian Pierce with uh, Isaac Ricks, who's a walk-on who's, uh, I believe, like 5'8", 5'9", about 225 pounds, um so he he looks like Pierce did last year. And at the beginning of the year, Pierce was wearing twenty-nine last year. So I just made that mistake. And then it wasn't until later in the practice where I, I was watching the running backs go through reps and I saw Michael Pirine take one and I say the next guy go and I'm like, wait, who's that? And I looked a little closer and sure enough it was twenty-seven, which is the number Pierce is wearing now and did for most of the second half of last year. Um he's much leaner. I mean he just looks like a different guy. And I, I talked to Pierce the other day, obviously, you know, we got that clip earlier. Um, But he told me that basically he's the same weight, but he is significantly leaner and he feels much more agile and much more fast. He's a guy that Blake has always been on my radar as a a breakout guy, even from last year. I've said in the past, I I don't remember a running back in my 10 years now covering Florida who has quite the same build that maintains the explosiveness that he has. So I think he's going to be a big piece from Florida uh, this fall. One of the other big differences I saw, um, and I'm sure I know you were out there and saw some of these these guys around during Friday Night Lights. Blake, what stood out to you about the difference in the freshman, the true freshman offensive linemen, from the spring to when you saw him at Friday Night Lights around the program this fall, having gone through strength and conditioning?
1: Yeah, that was really kind of one of the more crazy things because it's. Shows that they've come a a long way from just a couple months ago from the spring whether Mm. you have put on muscle and you look better or if you've taken off muscle guys like Will Harrod Ethan White obviously what Mullen said today in his uh, (laughs) press conference that he's lost a junior high size human being So I think that that has been one of the more impressive things because you had a guy in Ethan White who you just Knew that there was going to take a lot of work in reshaping his body because he came in very heavy. And I think it's been really kind of astonishing whenever you look at him now that he looks like a, you know, what a college freshman guard should look like. And I think that that yeah. really shows that Nick Savage is, is an integral part of that program.
0: Well, and the other thing that was really interesting to me, and I almost wish I had cut up this clip for the podcast, um, but it kind of goes along with what I've been saying all season or, or all off season, I should say, about the offensive line. I think people. Because Florida's replacing four starters, people on the outside kind of look at that and they're like, oh, my gosh, they're never going to be able to like four starters. That's huge. And it is. But when you look at the starters that are stepping in, Florida's got four guys that are redshirt juniors or a redshirt senior. That's guys that are going into their fourth year or fifth year in the program. So that's not trivial. And Dan Mullen made it a point to say, I'm not worried about our offensive line as long as we stay healthy. He literally said that today. He said, I'm only worried about the depth. Um, because they've got guys that have played a ton of practice reps and yes, they don't have the game reps of the guys that were on the O-line last year, but you would expect those guys to ramp up much quicker. I've been saying that all off season. I think Florida's ceiling is probably higher than people expect if those guys develop as expected. Uh, you know, like, like Mullen said, the real question is, is our depth tested because we have injuries? Um, that's where I get encouraged by the, the size gains that we've seen in these true freshmen. I mean, um, You have the most room to work when they're first coming in. Like, obviously, especially with offensive linemen, there's a lot you can do to change their bodies. But it's impressive. I mean, Ethan White looks like a guy that's been in a college program for two years, and he's really only been in it for a couple months. Uh, So I I think I've seen some very encouraging signs there. That's one of my biggest takeaways early from fall camp. Two other real quick things before we wrap up this podcast, Blake. I um, I, I think Florida's defensive line, in some ways, is also being slept on. I know you lose Ja'Kai Polite, but, Blake, you look across the board. I mean, what I see is experience, and I see guys that played a bunch last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then, obviously, you have those guys that return, and, and a guy like Schuler who really kind of came on for Florida last year, and I think he's going to be a guy this year. You bring in a transfer in Jonathan Greenard, who I think from looking at him and obviously seeing what Ja'Kai Polite looked like, he's a guy who's a little bit more built. I think he's going to be mm-hmm. a lot better at setting the edge and kind of doing different things, maybe not so much as that just – flat-out speed rush, get to the quarterback really quickly type of thing, what Ja'Kai Polite bought. So I think that he brings a different dynamic there, and he's obviously a lot more put together. He's coming off that injury last year, and he looks ready to go. Yeah. Um, on top of that, too, you bring in guys that you know what you kind of have, and then you have a, another guy like you know Zach Carter, who has been another guy that's really kind of put on some gains there from the offseason. He's looking like he's ready to kind of wreak some havoc this year, and obviously coming off a of big spring, I think he's a guy that's going to really kind of jump out.
0: And that brings me to, I guess, the final point that I wanted to make. Um, Florida's linebackers, I think, this is a better group than um, maybe it looks on paper. I think you've got David Reese, obviously. Everybody knows what he has. Um, I know some people are a little concerned about his uh, east-west ability, his coverage ability, but I think part of Reese's – skill set is that he is so good at understanding everything going on around him that he's able to get other guys in the right spots and I think having a veteran defensive line in front of him like he has I think that's going to free him up a lot more to allow some of these new pieces around him you know the tradings, the Amari burnies that are stepping in to really just be free as playmakers where they they'll have their responsibilities within the system but you're able to kind of organize the entire defense in such ways that those guys are able to do things they're comfortable with and come along at their own pace rather than them having to, um, you know, do this or that. Um, uh, One thing that I'm really intrigued by at linebacker, I think Florida is legitimately, um, I think they have at least five guys that they can count on. And those five being David Reese, Amari Bernie, James Houston, Ventrell Miller, and LaCedric Brunson. Houston, I got to say is the guy that really, really intrigues me from what I've heard uh, speaking to some sources, Florida's coaching staff believes that he has the highest NFL potential out of that entire linebacking core. Um, and I would I would caveat that I'd say that I think for the most part they still view Am- Amari Bernie as kind of a hybrid, so I don't know that he's included in that traditional linebacker mix. Um, but James Houston to me is a guy that has jumped off the page every time he stepped on the field. He's extremely athletic, can get downhill after the quarterback, has good instincts. Um, I think for him the big thing is going to be can he really follow in Reese's footsteps and develop that mental part of the game. If he can, he's a guy that I would look to really watch during fall camp because he could be a huge part of this Florida defense in 2019.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think the thing with James Houston kind of coming out, at least as a recruit, there were a lot of unknowns because he had such a bad ACL injury coming out. Mm -hmm. But this was a guy that was a legitimate Top recruit that a lot of schools were chasing down obviously the knee injury kind of held things off but florida's one of those teams that stayed true and and eventually landed him but you know i think the thing with james houston is just from kind of those fans who look on signing day and say let's see what he's ranked what stars does he have i think he's a guy that due to that injury kind of was slept on like you said a little and i think he's going to be one that does outplay his ranking
0: definitely definitely something to keep an eye on all right guys well that's going to do it for us today at the swamp 24 7 podcast we hope you enjoyed Uh, Blake, I appreciate the Friday Night Lights recap. Thought we did a great job there. And, uh, guys, if you like the podcast, go ahead and drop us a nice, favorable review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, We will talk to you soon, and we will have plenty more from fall camp throughout the fall leading up to that August 24th game against Miami.